one of the challenges that the accounting industry faces is you know a lack of talent. And I think one of the ways that companies and, and accounting firms can address this is by you know, utilizing systems very well. And I think it, it creates real opportunity for niche industry tools to really excel and really add a lot of value to companies. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. We're joined today by Paul Giese. Paul is an accounting manager in the biotechnology industry and the founder of In the Black Software, a collection of web-based tools for biotech accountants. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. Thanks, Blake, for having me. So, Paul, you and I connected, I think it was on LinkedIn, um, no, Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter, yeah, right? Twitter. And, and um, particularly uh, about uh, ASC 606 revenue recognition, which is all the rage these days. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with ASC 606, this is the new revenue recognition standard uh, that has been adopted by FASB and has gone into effect already for public companies uh, and is going to be effective for 2018 for most um, private companies for financial statements. So everybody is trying to get their ship in order for revenue recognition. So we're talking a lot about that at Flowcast. Uh, we are talking a lot about that online. Everyone is trying to figure out what to do, scrambling to get ready. So, Paul, I'm really excited to talk to you because you work in the biotech industry, and I had no idea that there were some really unique challenges for biotech when it comes to revenue recognition. The ASC 606 has been one of the biggest monumental changes in accounting standards over the last decade. So it's been a very big change for the industry and across you know, all industries and uh, the accounting firms have been putting out a lot of guidance and companies have really been struggling with you know, how do you recognize revenue because it's a very drastic change. And so I think it, it might help you know, to talk about kind of the economics of a biotech collaboration where a small biotech company would partner with a large pharma company. Yeah, that sounds great. For everybody who is not familiar with ASC 606, check out revenuehub.org if you're looking for more information. Go ahead and pause and head over on there and, and it'll give you a great understanding of, of what exactly this massive change is that we're talking about. So, Paul, please do continue. Yep. So, Typically, what happens in the biotech space is that a small biotech company will partner out uh, several of its program pipeline to a large pharma company where the exchanges, the small biotech company gives away commercial rights to future drugs. And in return, the large pharma company will provide cash. Um, and so typically what happens is that with a large upfront payment, that would go to revenue. And then you recognize the revenue over the performance obligation, which is typically getting a drug through uh, to commercialization and approval with the FDA. And so under the old uh, guidance, which is ASC 605, companies would identify what the unit of accounting was in the agreement. And then they would straight line whatever uh, the valuation of that obligation over the performance obligation. So typically that could be five, 10 years out from the signing of the contract. Mm -hmm. Under ASC 606, now instead of straight lining the value, you're going to be recognizing the revenue on a proportional performance uh, method where essentially it's a percentage of completion. So 
on day one, you have to identify what the total cost is for you to take that drug from you know, preclinical all the way out to, to commercialization, which could be, you know, as I said, five, 10 years. And that's very difficult task for a small biotech company where you, they might have an accounting department of three, four, five people. So let me make sure, let me pause you there and make sure I understand. So under the old guidance, 605, uh, if I was getting $50 million over five years to develop a, a drug, I could just straight line that. So I had $10 million a year. Exactly. Of, of revenue. Easy. Yep. Very easy. But I cannot do that anymore. No. Now, uh, the FASB has said, you know, we want to recognize revenue as the transfer of ownership occurs. And so you need to identify a way to track your performance over the performance period, which is typically cost for biotech companies because it, there's no, that's the easiest way to kind of track how well the company is doing. And then over as you're recognizing those costs, you would recognize the revenue. So if in year one, if you incurred 10% of the cost, then you would recognize 5 million of the 50 million upfront payment. So, so 10% of the cost. So how, how do I know what my total cost is going to be? Like what's all this, what's all this based on? So it's really based on estimates and a budget would, you know, for most companies you go out, you know, 18 months or maybe 24 months, but beyond that, you know, you're typically relying on a long range planning tool or, you know, some high level estimates where you might say, okay, a patient, you know, enrolled in a phase one trial costs $150,000 and I'll assume that I have a hundred patients. So that cost goes into your model. And so you have all these high level estimates that are going to obviously change as time progresses. And so that could potentially create wild swings in your revenue. And so I think people, you know, analysts, you know, audit committees, um, boards, management are all concerned because under 605, you know, is very, you, you just straight lined your revenue is very predictable and everybody was happy. But now you can have some really wild swings period over period, depending on how well you can budget and how well you're long range planning. So I'm just thinking through this. Let's say nothing really changes. And I, I, in a particular period, I don't have that much more in terms of cost. But for some reason, uh, I don't know, maybe a trial goes well and we realize we're not going to have to do so many trials. Mm -hmm. uh, suddenly my total cost estimate is less, right? Yep. And that would then mean that uh, I'd recognize more revenue? Exactly. Interesting. So, and the, and the opposite can happen too. It's like perhaps you get bad data and you say, hey, we're going to terminate this program. And then suddenly your costs are reduced and you recognize more revenue, which is kind of the inverse effect. You would think, oh, we, had, we got bad data. That's bad news. But in fact, now the pie has shrunk. And so you're recognizing more revenue. So it's a little, it's a little wonky on how the revenue is recognized. Howard, what, what kind of data do you now need to collect in order to make these estimates? Yeah, so that's a great question. So you would historically have your external costs, which are you know costs with a clinical research organization, um, you know your manufacturing vendors, any lab supplies. Those costs all are now you know typically you you are always recognizing all those costs, but now the classification between the various programs matters a lot more because 
if you have a program that's in a collaboration agreement and you have a program that's not in a collaboration agreement, because the expense is driving the revenue, auditors are a lot more concerned about the classification of the expense between program A and program B. And so as an organization, you have to have better controls around ensuring that the costs are accurately coded to the correct program. Mm -hmm. Um, Another piece of data that needs to be collected is, is time reporting. Um, You know, because typically for a biotech organization, um, your headcount is a substantial part of your costs because these are PhDs who are doing work and um, they're expensive. And so you have to collect the data from your employees and then you will recognize the cost, you know, typically in these agreements, they have a, a negotiated FTE reimbursement rate. Uh, so the large pharma company might uh, would reimburse the, the small biotech, you know, at a fully loaded rate of, you know, say $250,000. And so you would use that rate times the number of hours incurred in the quarter, and then that goes into your cost as well. So in predicting the number of hours incurred in a quarter and and over you know a ten year period is extremely challenging, and I think that that can also really swing you know the total cost of your agreement. Right. So so I'm accumulating expenses uh, by program, and I'm also tracking hours uh, because that's an element of the cost mm-hmm. in, in detail. And I mean, I've got to project in terms of the FTE hours. I've got to project those out five, 10 years. I, I imagine there could be some really drastic swings on those estimates from quarter to quarter, a year to year. Yep, exactly. And whether it's a timing difference or a cost savings also matters because if it's a timing difference, right, then you, know, you push a cost from Q2 to Q4 and you know, your, your full year revenue recognized doesn't change. But if it's a cost reduction, it reduces the pie, so to speak. And so you would get a true up of revenue. Right. And then you also have to think about the long-term and the short-term classification as well, because the auditors are going to care about that classification for the balance sheet. And so Mm. having your controls around the long-term and short-term component is also another factor that you need to consider. Wow. What a, what a humongous difference from simply straight lining that revenue. Yeah. It's, it's been very challenging to implement. So, Let's get to the technology part because I, I like that. Uh, how are biotech accountants, and really, I, I suppose this would apply to to any anyone under ASC six hundred six that's doing percentage of completion, right? So, so how are accountants who are are doing this uh, percentage of completion based on cost or revenue based on cost uh, estimates? How are they doing it now? Like, how are you? How are you, how how would you do it? Yeah, so currently, every, everybody in my network uh, here in Boston is tracking their collaboration revenue in Excel because uh, there's no solution. Um, so you have massive Excel spreadsheets where you're keeping track of all this data. Um, and every period that you're recognizing revenue, you have to save. We, w- what we're doing is we're saving down a new version of the same file every quarter where we update all the inputs and any changes to the estimate. And it's basically saved on our, you know, hard drive or our network drive. Mm -hmm. And um, it's 
you know, frankly, disorganized and well, not disorganized, but <laughs> it's just very challenging to keep track of any meaningful data because right. maintaining a very complicated spreadsheet is, is challenging. Um, and it's hard to derive real data from an Excel spreadsheet and, and then forget about, you know, internal, like any sort of it controls, right. It's right. You know, you can lock cells and in, in Excel spreadsheets, but, but that gets really challenging to do. And, and there's no documentation of changes and user rights, anything like that. And I imagine that in terms of the estimates, you have to involve outside parties. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly the, it's, it involves the entire organization. Um, so you, you have to talk with your project management team. You're talking with your clinical team. Um, you know, there's some helpful resources that are available, you know, that kind of give clinical data assumptions of how, how much, if you're in oncology, how much should you budget for a phase one study and how much should you budget for a phase two study? And, th- and there are external resources that can help with that. And, mm-hmm. and lots of consultant groups, uh, you know, CFGI, or uh, is an example of a, an organization that's been, you know, probably really helping a lot of clients, you know, kind of figure out how do we implement this and how do we kind of get these costs and um, model out these the, rev- the revenue recognition. So, are controllers, CFOs, just trying to brute force this? Are they hiring more people to handle this? You know, I, I mean, I think right now people are kind of in a wait and see mode, right? You know, we've gone through the the one one true up um, in the t- for public companies, which is uh, the the 2017 audit, um, and now they've done the Q1 and the Q2 reviews are completed, um, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how things kind of fall out as you're doing your first year audit under the revenue recognition model. And you know, my company we have a, a really strong team, and uh, we've been able to kind of manage the process. You know, and, and I think when I was talking to another controller, you know, he said with one collaboration agreement, you know, it, it can, it's pretty manageable, right? You can, you can manage it in Excel, but mm-hmm. some of these companies, you know, have two or three collaboration agreements and depending on how things fall out within the technical accounting analysis in steps one through four of the revenue recognition model, you could have multiple models for recognizing revenue within one agreement. So you could potentially have multiple proportional performance models under one collaboration. So if you have three agreements, you know, you could potentially have nine or 10 models that you're trying to track. And I don't know how a company that size would manage that without a tool. I think you would get to your point, you would need to hire another person. So let's talk about that. What are you working on that would potentially help accounting teams not have to add headcount in order to manage this? Yeah. So in the black software is, an idea that I had of, you know, the pain point of managing all of these Excel spreadsheets. And so my tool is really built to sort of be the home for every closed period of your, your model. And because each uh, model builds off of each other, you can kind of have a more controlled environment where you're only the actuals are locked. You know, once that period is closed, the actuals have been locked and nobody can accidentally change those numbers. Um, the cal- all the calculations are done for you. So, you know, you don't have to you worry about hard coded formulas or um, miskey, I mean, um, uh data. And in this 
basically gives you know more control around you know your model because again you know revenue recognition is always a risk a material risk for an audit and so the more controls you can have around your revenue recognition the better um, and so you're trying to identify areas where you can put in system controls um, whether it's user access rights um, so if if uh, you're my controller and I'm a staff accountant you know Blake I can enter all my data and I can click review, and then you get a notification saying, hey, Paul submitted the revenue recognition model. It's ready for you to review. And so you can go in and um, you know, type up a few uh, review comments and send it back to me. And then I can go in and say, oh, okay, yep, I should have put this number in. Uh, and, and then you have documentation of all that. And that's what auditors are really looking for is you know, documentation of, of review. Um, and then you know, I think the other thing is, is being able to predict um, how cost changes could potentially uh, impact the current period and future period revenue. Um, you know, so this could be helpful if you're if you have to give mm. guidance to Wall Street um, and you want to say, okay, if if our expenses swung, you know, a million dollars over the next you know three years, you know, what's the impact to the the current period revenue and uh, the future period revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that those are kind of the problems that I'm trying to solve. And then, you know, also being able to consolidate multiple collaborations in one place. So a CFO uh, could potentially be able to look at a dashboard and see, okay, here's where all three of my collaborations are and the revenue that I'm anticipating uh, to recognize. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's so great to see uh, such a niche, you know, tool being explored that you're building, uh, you know, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago. Right. And it's only because we have easily accessible SaaS and cloud that we can do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the cloud really opens up so many possibilities for these niche accounting tools. And, you know, I was reading, uh, Ernst and Young put out a study that said that 80% of finance department tasks hold potential for automation there's just so much possibility for well-executed tools that are user-friendly um, that can really save accountants a lot of time. And I think that that's kind of the vision that I want to set out with my tool. And you know, right now my tool is in a beta mode and um, we're trying to get user feedback and, and kind of improve the tool. But the overall vision is really having a tool that you know syncs right with QuickBooks or Xero or NetSuite and you just bring in all your GL data and then it spits out the journal entry and you don't have to touch the revenue at all. I mean, in that, mm-hmm. you, you think about the time savings from a tool like that. I think that it makes not only management more comfortable, but I think your auditor is more comfortable. And yeah, I think the value, that's really the value proposition that I believe that, that in the black software offers. And, and being able to handle this increased complexity in the regulations without having to add headcount, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And I think you've mentioned on previous um, podcasts that, you know, one of the challenges that the accounting industry faces is, you know, a lack of of talent. And I think one of the ways that companies and and accounting firms can address this is by, you know, utilizing systems very well. And I think it, it creates real opportunity for niche industry tools to really excel and really add a lot of value to companies. Well, Paul, thanks so much for sharing your insights into biotech RevRec and and what you're up to with In the Black. If our listeners would like to get in touch with you about what you're up to, where's the best place for them to reach you online? 
Yeah, so they can reach me at uh, www.intheblacksoftware, uh, with black spelled B-L-K. And they can also find me on Twitter at The Biotech Accountant. Paul, thanks so much for your time. And uh, it was great chatting with you. Have a great week. Thanks, you too.